Assalamu alaikum everybody and hello, welcome to Nakhishwa You have to like clap thingy. Okay, okay. Sync it up. It's in every... No, no, no. Yeah, nah. like, I did the intro three like... times already. Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters and hello, welcome to another episode of Buckle Up and Man Oh Man. Uh, we've been trying to do this intro for a while, so I just want to get into it. Uh, but peace and blessings. Uh, so, uh, like I said before, Buckle Up has definitely um, gave me an opportunity to get to know uh, guys I look up to on a more like up close, personal, um, uh, you know, level. Um, I've learned from these guys, and um, the person I have with me today is somebody I definitely can relate to um, a lot. Uh, I've learned for things from him, even though he doesn't know that I learned. I've been watching him, and it's uh, really amazing. He's the co-founder of uh, an incredible network event called My Friends, Your Friends. He uh, has a, an amazing podcast with Fat Man Scoop called uh, Other People's Podcast, OPP. Um, co-founder of Vayner uh, World. Um, overall, an international, really, entrepreneur in his own way, a kick-ass personality, if I may say. And most importantly, for me, the way I relate to, he's a hip-hop head from number one. Um, I know you know this one. Of course. The one and only, Raj Katecha. Did I say the name right? Assalamualaikum. Alaikum salam, my brother, my How man. Are you? How are you, man? I'm beautiful. Um, thank you I so feel much. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, and and you know, shout out to uh, you know everybody, your team, um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to have this buckle up with you. So you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Now you can buckle up. Nice. Yeah. So now we're buckling up. To uh, can I kick it? Okay. Um, just uh, off the top, I just saw an incredible video that we'll be dropping hopefully soon. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Won't give away much, but Dubai, be ready. Um, I want to start off with uh, you were you were you were giving away flyers in Manchester in the nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I want to know from you. Back then, when you were giving away those flyers, like first of all, how old were you, and what what were you? We're looking back at this right now. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I was 18 when I was handing out flyers and okay. looking back at that time right now, the first thing that comes to mind is how easy it is. And the fact that I would have to, if I'm not working in the club that night, I'd have to get up at 1.30, 2.30, cycle all the way to the club, avoid all the, the scary people and flyer. Right now I can pull out my phone, go on IG stories, be like, hey, I'm going to be in this bar at this time. Anybody who wants to join me, please come and join me. Mm. I, it's how easy it is, how scalable what I did then is, and how much distribution power I have for my message, I have in my pocket, in my smartphone, because that's what a promoter does. Yeah. They promote, there's something, there's a moment, there's an object, there's a time, there's a product, and a promoter's job is to draw attention to it. And the first thing I think of is how easy that is in a 2020 world versus 1998, which is when I first was in the streets. On a, on, a, on a personal level, you you lived, um, you know, your parents, were, they had they had a shop. You yeah. lived they, you lived above it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you lived, mashallah, with seven people uh, yeah. in the house. Yeah. Um, I want to, like, again, I'm, I'm trying to understand the, the environment. You said something that really um, kind of uh, sparked. Some, we have it in, we have it in Arabic a lot. You don't often get the drive unless it's born out of necessity. Mm. Uh, you know something in Arabic if you don't need it you might not go born with it mm. do you feel because of the way your life was that you are the person right now who you are right now because of the difficulties you went through yeah I mean there was a couple of things one is that the kids some of the kids I went to school with if they wanted sneakers they got sneakers if they wanted to go on a school trip the yeah. school trip was paid for by the parents uh, for me I had to raise that money Hustle. for a period of time yeah, yeah. so there's that, and there's also the fact that if your dad's a musician, you become a musician. If your dad is a tennis player, you've got an advantage in tennis. My dad, from the moment I can put even a single thought together, had mm. a shop. So there's pictures of me on my grandfather's lap or behind the counter with my grandfather at four, five, six months old. Mm. All I know is the cash register ringing, different customers coming in, <laughs> people buying magazines, people buying milk, people buying cigarettes, people buying birthday cards. Nice. So in a way, Yes, definitely necessity because I want I wanted nice things and I think that hip-hop's responsible for that because there's a lot of bragging in, in hip-hop and that makes me go, okay, well that's a Lexus and that's this is a Rolex and da da da. Not that I necessarily wanted those things, but I was like, I understood that the disconnection between having those things and where I was uh. when I was in Manchester in the 80s and 90s was money. Mm. When you're talking about shops like that, I mean, I guess I have to shout out my brothers, Dukan. That yeah. meant a lot having the, the, the podcast like that, right? Mm. Dukan shop. 
That for was real, a, for real. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I was on the Dukan podcast yeah. and uh, I dropped some gems on there as well. I know. Like, shout out to them. I shout loved, out to I them. I love those dudes. Yeah, amazing. Definitely yeah. shout out to them. Uh, one of the things that you were mentioning in, in uh, you know, obviously in Dukan, the, the McDonald's story. Mm. And I know we don't want to get into it a lot, but I want to ask, why do you think, in your opinion, people resonated with that? Because that kind of clip went kind of... In Dubai, that went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, like you got rejected by McDonald's three times, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know I'm gonna win and all that. Yeah, yeah. In your opinion, Azra, what what do you think the youth got from that? Why were they so? I think that I, I don't know. Prior to me mm. coming to Dubai, if there was that voice, and I don't okay. know if there still is. Okay. So, I don't know who is actually walking around in Dubai positive mm. with their chest puffed out there's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of people that are keeping it super on the low correct but i don't think there's people that are not complaining as in being positive as well as being very public about how they're winning and how they're mm. being successful i am ultra positive all the time and i am very quick to tell someone hey man i see where you're going if they ask me for my advice i'm like make an adjustment here it might be better for your brand or make an adjustment here you might get more money and i know that there's lots of good brothers and sisters here in the yeah. middle east that do that on the low i do that very publicly yeah you know the q a that we did uh, recently at, at fund dxb i say to people before i do q a ask the most selfish question and let the people around you benefit from your question don't try and come up with a question that the crowd will applaud you for <laughs> ask a question from the heart because yeah. you may not get another chance to ask me again true so let's get this figured out right now and let's get you where you want to go because I've already won. I've already beat life. So I want other people to feel like how I feel every single day. That's my selfish motive. If you felt 10% of what I feel when I wake up in the morning, your life would just be like... How does that feel when you wake up in the morning? Bro, real talk. I've, I, I sometimes get complaints from my girlfriend okay. that I'm hard to deal with in the morning because I wake up, I, w I literally get out of bed, clap my hands and I'm like, I'm the best. Before I, because if I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling very creative. So, so every, day, every day? Every day. When I wake up, I, I go to bed thinking, I'm, shit, I'm how am I that gonna, tonight? Yeah, I'm like, how am I going to deal with this problem, man? This, there's a delay with this visa, there's this, there's that, there's, this document is late, and this video has been edited wrong, and all the things that happen when you're doing a, yeah. when you're running a creative agency. I wake up in the morning, fresh mind. As soon as I wake up, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven problems solved. So, of course, <laughs> by the time my feet touch the ground out of the bed, I'm happy that the creativity has washed away all the previous days, like problem solving. And of course I'm going to be in a good mood. Man. And I'll play a record like that, Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> I'll, I'll play some Nipsey Hustle or something, Man, get my head in, in the peace. zone, have a shower, rest in peace, mm -hmm, Nipsey. And, mm -hmm. then, and, then I'm just, and then I'm just good to go. And then the whole day from when I step out of the house until more recently, 10, 11 o'clock when I get back in, it's, it's all hype. Man, um, creative content agency. T yeah. Tell me about that. You're the CEO of that. And... Um, you know, tell me more about it and what, what led you to you to obviously put it out. You wear so many hats, bro. Like, I'm so proud of you. And this is why I relate. Like, you're, you're, you're a DJ, you're an event organizer, you, you know, you're obviously into content, you're technology, entrepreneurship, and you know, like, you wear so many hats. And that's amazing. That's diversity. But I've heard you say that all these things are, you know, interconnected and we'll come back to it. But tell us about, you know, creative uh, content agency a bit. So Creative Content Agency is where, where two things kind of touched in my lives. One was that, yes, I've been a DJ since 1998. I started taking it really seriously in 2005 when I moved to London. And that's yeah. when we did things like the Russell Peters after party and so Ooh. on. So we, what I realized at that point is I was doing the DJing thing. And at the same time, I've always had at least two lives. So at the same time, I joined a, a company in Los Angeles, which was called Paid Content, which very famously sold to the Guardian for millions of dollars. I was employee number six. So when I was in New York and LA, I'd be at the Waldorf Astoria in the day in New York mm. and Harlem at night. Or I'd be in like the Huntley Hotel in Santa Monica in the day and Inglewood at night wow. with Glasses Malone, who's just released this. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he just was. Yeah, he uh, just released a Tupac Masai this, video. This, yeah, yeah. So shout out to him. Much wow. love to him. He's shown me crazy love. He's such a nice guy. It's crazy. I just messaged him yesterday. He yeah. Back. yeah he's, he's, a, he's a great. And he replied back, yeah? Yeah. Because he's such a nice lad. Yeah, nice like He's dude. such a regular mm. fella, yeah. But he's also controversial with the, you know what he was saying? He was saying there was a video um, about him saying that Snoop Dogg paved the way to Tupac. Yeah. And there's a lot of. Uh, and he doubled down on that mm. in. Uh, 
in Brilliant Idiots as well. If you're the latest Brilliant Idiots, when that video comes out, that clip will definitely go viral. <laughs> I should probably make it to him to say thanks for the dinner that you took me for. <laughs> wow. So I'd be I'd be in Santa Monica in the day, and okay. I'd be in Inglewood like at night with him, and just having these incredible like corporate and hip hop experiences at yeah. the same time. And what was amazing about that that whole period is that as I was making content, whether I was in London or New York or, or LA, I would meet like a Collie Buds or a Pharrell mm. or a wh whoever you want, right? Yeah, and you then I, yeah, yeah, and I put the and I put the wow. images out and I put the pictures out and the videos and just to show my friends like, wow, man, like look yeah. what's really happening here. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a stunt on the internet. It was like, I can't believe this is happening. Let me put it out. So that was before it was called content. So what happens is. People see the content, okay. understand that you're living your kind of, you're living your truth as a DJ. And then as a result of that, they're like, okay, if I'm gonna pay a DJ over here 150 pounds a night, which is say 750 dirhams, or am I gonna pay this guy over here who's actively collecting up mo hip hop moments as he goes around the internet, mm. as he goes around the world and puts it on the internet, am I gonna pay him 1250 or 1500? I was like, the more content I put out, the more committed I am to the culture. So then I started interviewing the artists. Yes. So now if I'm in New York and LA, of course I can have private conversations with David Banner or I can record it and show all my friends back home. So what I realized is the connection between putting out free content and seeing my DJing business go up. Mm. I had some friends in the e-commerce industry and when that company that I worked for in LA sold to The Guardian for millions of dollars, I got a little payout. I realized that the thing I enjoyed doing the most was making content mm. and I'd already figured out that making content in the corporate world works and make and it, when you're doing it for yourself as an artist, it works. So why don't I create content? I didn't want to build a business at the time. Ironically, I have a, a bigger business now. And I was like, I want to create content. I want to be an agent of creating content. Boom, creative content agency. Ooh. That's how we ended up here. Man, one of my favorite, like when I was, you know, looking at your YouTube channel is yeah. um, um, evidence. Mm. Man. Dialing people, man, yeah. man. I just can't. You're right. I mean, all these, and obviously Wu Tang. That you sit down with RZA, talking mm. about the the mixtape mm. that was obviously put together. It was all over, you know, hip hop. And yeah. Looking back at these things, bro, do you realize what you were able to do? Like, you no, know, just go outside the box a little bit, like you said, and like, whoa. No, I was able to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Twenty years in, when I when I when I started putting together websites and bios and things like that, when I, now that I've become like Raj Katech entrepreneur, people ask you for bios. So you, yes. have to, you have to comb through your past and pull stuff up. So that's when I realized more. But mm. like the reason why I say no, I didn't realize at the time is because a lot of these weren't my ideas. Like mm. going and making content with the Wu-Tang Clan was my idea. Yeah. But pushing that to a whole other level of actually making a mixtape with them, the Golden Chain. That was DJ. That was uh, DJ Friction. Yeah, Friction. Yeah. So he was like one night, he was like, we we had two nights with the Wu Tang. I love how gutsy you guys were. That's the point. Well, he was he takes he takes the Gut, all time yeah, gutsy award yeah. for that one. So he was like, you know, tomorrow when we see Rizzo and them, I want to pitch them a mixtape. I was like, no, let's not overstep our mark. Long story short, he pitched me the idea. Mm. I got swept into the the whole slipstream, which was very common at that time because Friction would come up with these crazy ideas and we'd end up doing them. But I did come up with a name. I was like, you know, if we're gonna do a Golden Era tape. Let's not call it the golden era. Let's call it the golden chamber. Chamber, baby. Because yeah. that's their metaphor, right? Wu-Tang's metaphor is different yeah. chambers. So I'm very proud of that. And um, he mixed it. We came up with the, the sequencing and the song selection. He did a phenomenal job, my, him, myself, and Vic. So Man. at the time, we didn't realize. Bro, what's crazy it, is it at the time, pictures, it was normal. Yeah, but I, I hear you. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people that do mixtapes. But to mm. do a mixtape like that, it was, I think, something historic. Mm. Um, listen, man, with an interview with Esquire, you, yeah. you said... The me of today, that's one big blend of knowledge, skills, drive, and passion. And that's how I know that whatever I end up doing, I can win, right? Mm. If you could can talk to your younger self now, what, what would you say on that practical advice? Mm. He's silent. I think, I think there was a, I had so much energy and so much gusto mm. that I would probably say like, recognize earlier when something isn't working. Okay. And pull out okay. and recognize when something is really working and double down. So I'd have probably spent more time on the West Coast mm. and not just LA, but I'd have probably tried to spend more time heading up to Northern California and San Francisco, mm. making, you know, starting establishing more relationships. But the weird thing is at the time, like I'd be I'd be in a room with, you know, MySpace, which was a huge social network back in the day, of course. Yeah. Um, Google had just bought YouTube. Um, New score bought MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, they're all in the room and I wasn't quite alert to what was going on because maybe I was 
my, my attention was thinly spread. And maybe if I'd removed 25% of the things that had my attention, for example, you know, trying to start a clothing line and all the other things I was involved in, and doubled down on stuff which was really getting me a high yield, mm. which I didn't realize at the time, then that would probably be the advice I'd give myself in okay. the sense that I wouldn't reverse any of those because yeah. the effect would be different of who I am today. Yeah. But if I met somebody younger right now, I would force them to be like, one thing I say to people, this is mad, you must get this in the hip hop game, right? When you meet young people in this in this industry and you go, what do you do? And they go, I do everything, bro. I, <laughs> I rap, I dance, I make music videos, I do graphics. And what I say is cool, but I'm here looking to figure out how we might be able to do business together. So how about I ask you again? Tell me the three things that make you the most money. Because that's where I'm gonna go. If you're saying that I rap and I dance and I do graphics, and they're the three things that are getting you the highest ROI, well, you're already passionate about them. That's already baked in. But whatever you're doing that's making money, let me help you make more money. Because with the money that we'll make together, that will buy you more freedom. It will bring you more resources. And then you can double down on idea four, five, and six so that ideas four, five, and six can become as big as one, two, and three. Man. Mm. Okay. Does I was, that make sense or is that a bit weird? Um, no, I'm going to try to provoke that again, push it even more. Yeah. Um, see, people like, obviously, when we talked about it, I think you guys talked about it across, you know, when you speak motivation, okay? Mm. Motivation is such a, every person has his or her own path. Mm. So whatever you can tell me, it will motivate me, but it will not really realistically work. You, you know what I mean? Like I know that everything that you and Gary say, for example, amazing, I'm pumped up, but then I cannot find it to put it in what's actually bothering me or make it work for me. So what, do, what, I, so what do we need to make work for you? Let's get, let's get into it. Like that's yeah. probably the best value you can offer mm. is asking what you need to know the answers to, and then we can either solve it now or we can jump out of the car and over the next few weeks we can invest in it yeah. and solve it. No, it feels to me that sometimes it's just, I'm not gonna say it's general, like what you, how you're pitching it, but obviously this is what you do in, you know, in, in the agency, you sit down and you try to make things happen. But I'm, but I'm being specific, I'm like, if you, I'm saying for the type of person who feels like they do everything and they're over diverse mm. based on my past, to help make a decision, let's come up with the three things that make the most money. Okay. Not the three things that take up the most time, not the three things that you're most passionate about, but let's grab more money out of what's working okay. and invest it into the things that might be working slightly less so that you end up with more things that are working. I.e., if, if you do six things, let's make more money on items one and two yeah. so that we can prop up number three. Now you're making money on three things. Now let's use the revenue from three things to prop up four and five. <laughs> now you're making money on five things. Yeah. Now let's use that money to prop up six and now you've got a really nice portfolio of businesses or brands that now can all support each other. Like you were saying, I've got a bunch of brands that all support each other. I've got OPP with Fat Man yeah. Scoop. That's a, great, that's a great conversation starter when I'm work, work, working with brands. I've got Raj Katecha, that's a great part, that's a great question podcast. Amazing. That allows me to go in depth with like the C-level folks, as well as the Moprim Shakurs and the other people that have been on that show. Nah. My Friends, Your Friends allows me to bring three to 500 people in the city out to literally come out, shake hands, hug, take selfies, real human connection. Creative content agency. And I know we've got other brands as well, but like the other things that we're launching that's... that will all tie into each other. Yeah. But it was a time where it was only creative content agency. Yeah. So I tripled down on that, raised the revenue, invested in my friends, your friends, built that up, got more revenue for creative content agency, launched uh, OPP, made that work, launched Rajka Techa, that's a great question. What, what has been the most difficult thing you faced? Like, I'm, I'm interested to know, okay, you're a positive person, you're the best, you're doing win. Mm. That attitude, amazing. I, I really salute you for that. But what has been something that you're, you know, for example, I'll tell you my case, for example, mm. um, you know, I, I left Saudi Arabia for, for my son who's autistic. And mm. obviously that's been a big, not a hit because I believe that God doesn't give you something you can't handle, but mm. obviously it's shifted. And now with the things, the, with the way things are going in Saudi, I really feel I should be really way more involved than I am just now, mm. really, because I really did music under ground and stuff like that. Mm. Anyway, so that was really difficult for me to do that. But I look at my son and I go like, he's really just worth everything I don't care I just want to make him you know mm. win mm. and I had to somehow lose in order for him to win but in my mind I'm a winner you know what I mean so in your case what has been something that you can share with us it's been very difficult you felt like yeah I'm not really I can't do this what, what are you losing out on in Saudi ah man like a lot of things right now like obviously this the, the entertainment industry is really on a blowout 
and I just wanted to be part of the whole whole system. I am part of it now, but not not in a in an essence. Can you do that on three days a month, being in Saudi? Yeah, I mean, this is I've, I've, I've been trying, but it's you know it's it's a difficult thing to to pitch. I do have a couple of things coming up, but it's just really. Um, what I'm trying to say is that I launched the beat in Saudi, and that was mm. in 2012. Yeah. Back then, the religious police were like, "No, no, no, that." Yeah. And I did all these events. I used to get 400, 500 people yeah. that paid 300 dirhams a ticket just to yeah. come and attend local artists. Yeah. Because the rent was expensive. The rent yeah, for yeah. the place that we used to get was 40,000 dirhams. <laughs> people yeah. didn't take advantage of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, and people so aren't I, drinking booze. As no, well, no, no, so no. There's all, no. Yeah. It's all cash up front. There's no. Yeah. There's no. There's no drinks in my events anyway. Yeah, at yeah. all. So like that is just coming in to see the local scene. Mm. And now, just yesterday, a friend of mine, she's singing in a coffee shop in Jeddah. Wow. Saudi Arabia. And that for me is like, whoa. Okay. Mm. I really wanted to be part of that because it was something I could definitely make a lot of money. People that used to work in restaurants and burgers are right now hosting events. Wow, they're my friends. I know them. Right. Like you don't know nothing about an event. But can they can they fly the flag for you whilst you're not there? That's what I've been trying. Like I a felt, franchise model. I felt I felt no. I felt in a way that they're you know not pushing me out. But you know I really need to do my thing. And I was I was able to host the the first rap commercial you know concert there. I went. I pushed myself through it. Yeah. And I hosted it. It was a rap show. Is, is the audience size not bigger for you here? Even if the budget's that's a bigger a, look, there. that's a very good question. I my heart belongs. I think Jeddah has always been my home, you know. And I feel like I you from Saudi? You born and raised there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You wow. Know? Yeah, you know. So it's something, um, you know. Um, he, he so does, you're a Saudi. He, he does that really that's good. Your, that's that's your, flipping. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Saudi. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm from Jeddah. Saudi it's, and it's and you're so authentically hip hop. I love. And hip-hop. yet you're from Saudi. Yeah. That's uh, just like when beautiful. I went to when I went to um, I went to this New York uh, exchange media exchange uh, program. Mm. I was offered the scholarship, so I went for the first time ever in to America at that time. Uh, it was like nine years ago or so. And then they asked. I had people with me from I don't know Russia, you know Spain, Portugal, you know India. There's so many people. And then they asked at the end. Who's the most person that affected you and impacted you and really changed stereotypes? That was 95% me. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. So, this guy likes basketball. He doesn't look Saudi. Yeah, he likes yeah. hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, b- because so, brand Because brand Saudi is so skewed naturally the other way. True. That if you come in with even one of those three elements, yeah. you're smashing a really yeah. big macro stereotype. Yeah. But yeah, but not, but to, not go, to avoid go, the question. But, like but in going terms back of, to you, yeah. yeah, what has been like something that you can share with us, really? And I, I want, I want you to go as personal yeah. as you can. Like, man, you're a human being mm. first before you become anything. Mm. Really, sometimes we all feel that. Oh man, the whole weight is on my shoulders. Whether it's money, finances, life, relationships, whatever it is, sometimes you can't really do it. What has been that? Because you were able to break so many barriers. Mm. Has been? Has there been a moment like that in your life? I mean, if we go back to the, the McDonald's example, yeah. like clearly the night of or yeah. the week following or the month following, I'm that like, was... wait, why can I not fit in here? How can I not get a job at McDonald's? And how can I go to, I went to a, a business uh, games with Deloitte. I believe it was Deloitte or Ernst & Young, one of the guys. Mm. And what they did is they had a, a draft at my school. Okay. And they said, listen, open draft. We're looking for graduates. We're going to put you in groups. We're going to do some solo exercises. Anybody can walk in, regardless of what course you're doing. So I went there, washed everybody, like smashed it. I was like, okay, cool. I get to apply for a job now, right? And they were like, yeah, sure, apply by the website. I was like, all right, maybe there'll be like a code or something like that, you know, like, because I've just, I've, I've, in front of you, in front of the recruiters, I have just you annihilated sure actual human beings <laughs> when it comes to business. Yeah. And. They were like, no, you just got to apply through the website. I was like, all right, cool. Do I need to put any reference in there or anything like that? They were like, no, just put in your A-level results. And I was like, well, my A-level results are C, D, E, and N, which is like lower middle to bottom, right? Wow. Like N is not a is not a common, like N is not even A, B, C, D, E, right? It's like below. Okay. So <laughs> once I once mm. I realized that, I was like, well, what's the point in stunting in front of recruiters and people that are interviewing me and showing off my my best? if it's not gonna lead to anything because of some metrics that I don't control, like what A-level results have you got? Mm. So I remember thinking to myself at that time that, man, this is, this kind of, there's a bit of an injustice here. But my cousin who lived with me for for a long time, he now lives back in the States. He always said to me that every single time I was like, I'd hit a wall, he goes, I'd turn into that guy again, which is basically like, fuck you. 
Mm. Like, okay, fine. If there's not a system, <laughs> it's not that I'm gonna, yeah. it's not that I'm gonna be down. This is a signal from God or the universe or whatever energy you believe in. That, yo, this is the time you're gonna have to go and build something, bro. They're not gonna, they're not gonna let you in. You're gonna have to build okay. something. If yeah, you really yeah. want this, yeah. like you can have a, I don't know, like this, the guy in the, the ark. What's the guy who built the ark in the Bible? What, no, 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 like, yeah. yeah, like you can have an ark like everybody else, mm. but you're gonna have to build yours. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I hear and, and it's so crazy because, like, you see all these other people, and, 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 it, and it's wild because mm. all the way through my 20s and all the way through my 30s, even to this day, there are people still working for companies that maybe I aspired to work for when I was 18, 19, 20, that now are leaving depressed with like depression or they're going through their first or maybe second divorce and I'm like man all that was a near miss it's like literally it's like literally missing a bus and then finding out that that bus was involved in a car accident do you know what I mean I feel that that but for real for real yeah I would not think about it there's no there's no guy in a job right now in some corporate company that has the same energy and upside and positivity feeling that I have every day. Mm. If you're asking, and, I, and there's no disrespect to them, but if you're like worried about if you can go on holiday with somebody mm. until your line manager says it's okay, or sh- can, I, can, I, can I take a longer lunch today because I need to work through a creative idea for your job, or maybe you've just lost someone in your family, you need that extra 15 minutes that lunch just to process it and mourn it, mm. and you can't because you signed a contract that says, I'm gonna do this for this company, you, you've lost. Wow. Man. Is that real or is yeah, that no, real? No, 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 no. Actually, actually, that's very, very real. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I, I really salute you for that. I think, I think the point I was trying to make across is sometimes all of us and somebody, people, some people are watching right now, they got to do that job because it's the only money making kind of thing. And they yeah. have no, you know, to let go to whatever. Like, for example, in my case, I'll be very honest with you. Mm. And I get a lot of backlash at this, by the way. Mm. And I think this is the first or second time I mention it on, on public. Um, when I did my radio show in Saudi, Le Ship Hop, I had mm. to fight for six months for the radio station to approve it. Mm. It was not playing music. Uh, at that point, two radio stations opened, they're more young. I pitched to one of them. They said, okay, after six months. Long story short, it's a hip hop radio show talking culture, blah, 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 blah. I got called a kafir in the first one, saying yeah, I'm yeah. an infidel, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then the That's tri- a real disrespectful word in Arabic, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But the trick part is this. I, my salary for that show was $200. Mm. But I worked in media. I worked as a sales rep. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. So my sales rep gave me the money so I can feed my family. Yeah, yeah. And this one was something I can build for the culture. Yeah. Not everyone has that. And that's why when I go on radios and stuff, I'm gonna say, yo, you gotta fight to play local artists on the radio. You gotta fight. Majority of the DJs and the radio hosts hate that because that's their job. I cannot fight as, as the other radio host. I cannot fight my station to put local artists because they might fire me. I didn't care. If they fire me or not, I was like, you got to play local artists and you got to push that and push that and push that. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, don't like it. And they're like, okay, we like it. I'm like, okay, it worked. Mm. So the trick part is that taking that risk, I think. And that's why most of the radio hosts, they tell me, yo, but has you just too, you have other source of income. Radio host is my only job. Mm. I'm going to protect it. You know, Listen, my- but here's the thing. I make, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make out at any point that having a job is a... Uh, is, is a negative because mm. on the flip side I wake up every day with no idea on the 30th of that month how much money I'm going to pull out the game but that not that difficult that's what I'm saying so there is a certain relaxation that comes with knowing what your salary is so if you're prepared to trade your lunches mm. and your holiday timings around a bigger machine which is your company yeah. and you get a salary for that and that makes you and this is important that makes you happy Content. then God bless you okay. and I wish you more power for me without the stress and without the anxiety of knowing that if what I don't kill, I don't eat. Without that, I wouldn't earn a penny. In a company, I would not earn a penny because Mm. there is no motivation for me to take part in that system. But if you take every single penny away from me and say, right, go start an agency, go DJ, go start this, go start that. And then the reward is at the end of that rainbow. That's the system that I work within. I can't, if you take me out of that system, I'm a fish out of water and you put a human 
fully underwater, they're gonna die. It just depends on what kind of species you are. I'm not coming, I'm not a fish looking at people that live outside water being like, oh, having a job is whack. Like, that's cool, do your thing. But it's not the system for me. For you. And there are people that look inside the fishbowl and go, well, I wanna be an entrepreneur. Mm. And there are entrepreneurs that are like, damn, I committed to being an entrepreneur, but I really need this steady paycheck. I wanted to rebel or create my own lane, have my own arc. But now I want to get that steady paycheck. And the good thing about the world we live in today mm. is that it's often not difficult to shift. It's often not difficult it's after not. a certain point to leave that job and go and create your own thing. And it's also not difficult. And there's no, there's no, we shouldn't like point the finger at failure. If somebody's an entrepreneur tried it for 14 months, didn't work out. There was a cushy job waiting at McKinsey and Co for them. And they just went and took it. And now all of a sudden they're back on 105,000 dirhams a month. It really doesn't matter. Wow. What matters is, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Can, yes. you, can, can you live with yourself? And do you understand that with the 80 or 90 years you get, God willing, on a great life, you might get 90 years. Yeah. Are you getting, is, is every day looking like it's the kind of day that you want to have? Because they don't last forever. I know. I mean, this is very important. Uh, Raj, what's something that is secretly on your bucket list for you? Something you crave. Tokyo. Tokyo? Yeah. What? The one thing I haven't done. What, I just want to go it? to Tokyo. Okay. Oh, you haven't yeah. been to Tokyo. Yet. I haven't been to Tokyo. Okay. Yeah, I just want to go to Tokyo. It's so it's so weird. Like everything, every single thing that I want to do kind of gets done, but Tokyo just always seems to slip through. So I don't know why I've not get been. into Tokyo, brothers. Yeah, and sisters like, out any, there. anybody who wants me to come to Tokyo, like I'll come, like for expenses only. Like okay. it's no problem. But like, I mean, that's if you want me to do something for you. Otherwise, I'll just get my money why up Tokyo? and go. I just I don't know. I just. Everybody who's spoken about it, I like the I like the energy when they speak about it. Yeah. Everything I've seen on the internet, I superficially look at and go, that looks pretty fun. Japanese people who I've met, I'm like, you guys seem pretty cool. They just, I just think I'd just like to go over there, and I, and I and I hope that I don't go there and hate it. Yeah, yeah. But I just I look at I just look at Tokyo and go, <laughs> yeah. that looks pretty radical. That's pretty. That looks like it's on the fringe of how an extreme city should be. And I just want to go kick it for a little yeah. while, like go to the club, eat some food, right. hang out with some local people. I hear that they don't speak much English there, but however you catch a vibe with them is however yeah. you catch a vibe with them. Tokyo's on my bucket list, yeah. Nice, okay. Hopefully it will That's such a you. basic answer for me. That is. It's just a... I love it. I want to go to Tokyo. And that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. wild. Yeah, right. No one's ever asked me that. That's such a... Really? Yeah, and okay. no one's ever asked me a question which I can just answer with one word. That's good. Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Um, you just inspired me to ask you something else as well. Um, does everyone eventually get their success stories? Like eventually that you believe that? Like for example, I'll give you an example. This is this guy behind me, Azero. Mm. I think he's one of the most and a talented fella, really. You know, he's like really focused. Mm. Um, a lot of people I see over here, like you know, whether it's the rappers that we know, artists that we know. There's a lot of people that sometimes. I'm not gonna say doubt that they're gonna be successful, but you see they can be successful, but it's just take, maybe either taking time or do you think as Raj, as somebody who's seen success, as somebody who's seen talent that no one knows and now they're like, great, right? Do you see everyone will get their own success story in their own way, yes or no? There's two answers. One, it depends on how you define success. Okay. Right? A really easy a really easy way to define success is from where I started to where I am right now, is that gap big enough for me to feel good about myself? Okay. But number two, the reason why I think okay. the reason why I think that there might be people complaining about the hip hop market here in the Middle East in the region mm. and quote unquote defining success is that I don't feel and correct me if I'm I, if I if I actually thought this was if something I wanted to think through I would call you or OT or someone and be like yeah. help me think this through okay but I don't feel like people in Dubai or any of the artists that I've met are actually just learning from markets that are five to ten years ahead and being like how did you guys do it no let me give you an example yeah I yeah. that that clip that you just saw right you saw me in the newspaper yes right that was a one-page spread on the MOBO Awards. The MOBO Awards is the Music of Black Origin Awards, and it's a fundamental award show yeah. for the black music industry in, uh, in the UK. I remember going to the award shows and the after parties. We did some business with okay. them. And pulling up at the back of one of these five-star hotels to go to the award show. Okay. And BBK, Boy Better Know, are jumping out of a Ford Fiesta. What? Like, the, the, the illest hip-hop outfit like grime outfit yeah, yeah yeah in the world yeah jumping like all, a bunch of them jumping out of a, a ford right huh. this would have been a decade ago yeah so 
why do we not have the young artists here? Mm. And the artists here can really spit like yeah. freak dope. This guy Menon, is that yeah. his name? Menon? Menon, yeah. He's fucking, he's really talented. I love him. I, I only know a couple of his records, but I'm like, all right, I've seen that before. Yeah. I saw that in London 10 years ago. I've seen that in the in, in other parallel universes. Yeah. Why do they not have... Let, can we talk about Menon for a second? Well, I don't know him that well to no, talk I wanna, about him. I want to I wanna, I yeah. wanna just maybe take your advice on it. Mm. So Menon is half Sri Lankan, half Filipino. Oh, is he? Yeah, in a place where let's just face it, Dubai, I'm, look, everyone, you know, they're the, these, I mean, these two, especially kind of, kind of uh, communities, they're being looked at, down at, like, let's just say in a way, right? So what's his truth? And he gets, I always tell him that, and I hope he sees this. I think he should rep the Sri Lankan and Filipino kind of clothing, kind of vibe, and rep, start speaking to these people. He just, no, he didn't do any of that. He just, mm. just made hit records. I, okay, I that hear you. That's dead simple. Mm. And, and here's the weird thing. I used to live in Toronto. He has a hit record. I used to live in Toronto in 2003. I need to hear it. Mm. 2003, 2004. I'd love to hear his record. 2003, 2004, when I was in Toronto. Come what may, the whole Toronto hip-hop scene yeah. was probably two dozen guys, of which my friend, Cardinal Official, what? was at the top of the, the kind of food chain, you could argue. Of course. Right? Yeah. Why do we not have that knowledge being harvested by young artists here. Mm. Why do we not have a podcast where a young artist here would call a JME or a Skepta in the UK and be like, can we just go back seven years to when things just started to go really well for the industry? What happened? Then call up Cardinal and be like, okay, when you were building that industry, you and Solitaire and Chocolaire and all these other guys, when you were building this industry on your backs and America was running it and you're on America's doorstep, yeah. you're one hour's flight from New York and you can't get your records blown up, what did you do? Mm. If you look at people that are just a couple of years ahead and work with them and get their information, even if 20% of it's applicable in this market, and this is a very mature market, it is. you're gonna win because don't forget, Canada, Cardinal was trying to push his music in the early 2000s when the internet and broadband wasn't where it was. There wasn't smartphones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. All the London in, in the UK, that whole scene, that whole grime scene from Dizzy Rascal right in like 02, 03, yeah. right through to the iPhone coming out in 07, 08, 09, there was that whole gap where people were grinding it out. There is so much knowledge to be harvested. Now, let me be super practical. I hear you. Right? Let me be really practical. Where is the Dubai Middle Eastern hip hop conference? Like oh. Jack the Rapper. Where is it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, do you know? Do you know how much that would cost in this market to pull off? Mm. Ten thousand dirhams. I'll give you ten thousand dirhams to do it. I'll pay ten thousand dirhams to host the whole thing, just so that I can attend, and everybody else can come in for free. Wow. Right. Yo, but so that, where is yeah. so where is I that? Yeah, where, yeah. where there are panels and there has to be one thing about the panels. You can talk all the truth you want. No complaining. No negativity on stage. You can talk all the truth you want. We can speak reality. Make it but you out. can't be like, our industry in the Middle East just doesn't provide for this and da da. Then I want to see this. Once a month, without fail, on a SoundCloud account, I want to see a six to eight track EP come out with only collaborations. Mm. That's it. I don't want to see any of this. I think give me, just give me a down. thousand, give me a thousand likes and I'll release my record. I want a new record every week. Tack, you know Tack? Yeah, of course. Tack Shibani, nice, nice collaboration right there. Yeah, amazing like, guy. Tack is as good an artist as anyone in the world. He's very dope. I need a record every week on a Monday. And well, I don't want any of the schematics or <laughs> I want this many likes. Da, da, da. Give me a record. God gave you the ability to rap as good as any rapper in the world. Doesn't matter whether you think it's good or bad. I need a record every Monday. Would Tack remind you of yourself when you were younger? No, like, Tack is Tack's. Tack's talent level okay. is way further than mine was. No, when I, I was his I, age. I you, so I, I bumped into Tack, I think, four years ago when I first came here, three years and a half ago, uh, when I came here, mm. and he didn't look like like that, like that now. Mm. And he told me, he's like, Big Haas, I follow your work, big mm. up to you. I'm going to be the best rapper in Dubai. Yeah. So see that. And it, he might well be. You know, like, he, he, we actually sat down here. Yeah. And he pitched his case towards, yo, I should be considered of one of the top three rappers in Dubai. He shouldn't. And He shouldn't. Huh? He shouldn't. No, I'm telling you. That's why I was said. I said to him, no. He's like, okay, I'll prove to you. And he made me hear some, some, some I, songs I, that I, are not out yet. I saw the episode. <laughs> yeah. But to be the best, he needs to be. You know, KRS has got that thing. Oops, sorry, I lied. I'm number one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> yeah. Tack needs to do that. Yeah. And the only way he can do that is a record a week for 52 weeks. 
of which, because of his talent level... And he is, I think, doing that now. Yeah, because yeah. of his talent level, out of those 52 records, 39 will be great. Mm. That's it. So That's how you become number one. Like, so where's the rap conference? Yeah. Where, where is the, the weekly ciphers and where is the EP that comes out digitally at no cost where everyone collaborates for free? Yeah. Because that's what happened in the UK. Rappers collaborate. Here's, you were at this Adidas event the other day, right? Yes. And you were with some big artists, Jib, yeah. Jib and people like that, Jib, right? Jib, uh, Freak, uh, Tamir. And, I saw uh, Jib did a freestyle, right? Yeah. You know when Wiley was battling Kano in, yeah. the, in, in alleyways and on steps? Yeah. That needs to happen every week here. So here. if you go to Adidas, you tell Adidas, hey, listen, we're going to need an extra 15,000 dirhams. For that, we're going to stay an extra 30 minutes with all these artists. We're bringing a camcorder and we're all just going to pass the mic and we're going to put it online. And in the future, whether Tack, Freak, Menon, or any of these young cats goes international, like Drake level or Skepta They'll level look international, back to that. you look at that grimy ass piece of footage from 2019 yeah. and Adidas get all the upside. If, if you don't copy the things that these other markets have done, then you can't go beyond them. I always say to my clients, like, before you try and reinvent the wheel, show me you can make a wheel. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's, that's right. That, that, yo, by the way, this is kind of happening here, but on a more like personal level. Yeah, they're, they're doing it. A couple of weeks ago, I, don't care they, about, I need, I'm so busy and I'm a hip hop fan who's got resources to put behind the game. I can get a Raekwon on the phone or a Cardinal on the phone and say, hey guys, I need you to come through here. Something really interesting is happening. Can you come over for Soul DXB, right? And they'll come. Here's the thing. The market doing it personal to personal is no good. The market needs to make so much noise that when I'm sat in a boardroom in DIFC, one of my staff brings me this record and goes, yo, Menon, Freak, and Tack, and these are the only rappers I know, I guess, mm -hmm. and P-Storm. P-Storm? Yeah, P-Storm, yeah, the recipe. These, yeah, these are the only rappers I know. They're all on a track together, and that's it. Ah. That's, that's all I need, it's so I, basic. Yeah. Look, I hear you, and there are, there are, there are like collaborations out there. Like there's the, you know, so Menon, I'm not sure, have you ever heard Menon? I had two of his records and both were brilliant. Which one, regular? I couldn't even tell you. Okay. Have I you heard? Have you heard something like that? Play, play it for me. So we're we're. Also, I think production plays a big element in it, so that we have like a lot of amazing producers here. Whether yeah. it's Ay from the Harmony. Ay and, is very good, yeah. And and Ryan Bayrouni, who's producing a lot of amazing content for a lot of amazing artists. So both of them. So, who's the one that did Mandy and the Girl? Mandy and the Jungle. Mandy and the Jungle. Yeah, so there's a guy called Namdi, and then there's a oh rapper. Namdi, yeah. No, no, Namdi's boy. Santi, you mean? Santi, oh. he's very good. Reem oh, the album. Santi, Santi is now. Halas, he, yeah. He he made Remy K, another Remy one. Remy K is yeah. Remy K's got a song on that purple tape. I know that's Raekwon's album, but like she, on that purple project, yeah, that is phenomenal. Yeah, but I, but we just need more of it. Yeah, true. Do you remember I, I, in the '90s? Yeah, you'd have in on any given one month period, a new artist came out that changed culture forever. Yeah. Whether it was Nas, then Lauren Hill comes out, then Fushnikins come out, oh. right? But there is that much talent in this region. There is, man. And th that's between English and Arabic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Freak's talking about, but I'm like, I get it. Yeah, love it. He, he, I mean, uh, look, it's it, it's mind-boggling for me, but what you said, I think, right now, especially when it comes to hip-hop, it's things that, uh, you know, people tried to do it but never really was able to do it for example there's this thing called step music that happened three years ago there yeah. was a step music conference yeah there was actually a music conference but it didn't have a lot of footfall maybe it wasn't promoted well that's something else as well there's ideas but how do you promote it how do you push it how do you make sure that people are coming in dubai is a place where you have to make sure for example drinking culture is there there's a lot of things that no, you come... don't you don't need any of those things ah. all of these dudes live in reasonable apartments and houses they just meet up Pioneer DDJSX into a mixer, one person DJs, two or three microphones, they pass them around, they video it. Yeah. Once those videos connect with people, and of course the music has to be good, and the rhymes and the bars and the verses have to, be, to good, be good. At some point, somebody will say, when are you gonna do that in Amongst Few Cafe? And then they just reach out, they show the comments to the Amongst Few guys, and they go, listen, we've had 12 comments here, but they want us to do this in your coffee shop. So now all of a sudden, those 12 people that said they'd come, come to the coffee shop, the three rappers do it, the cameras are still on, and now it goes. Now, I'm not sure which venue would or wouldn't allow you to do it, yeah. but it would happen. If I not, just, it's, it's just, bro, we have to go back to basics. I just love how, yeah, yeah, I love it's how it's basic. It is, it is basic, I mean, it's true. We, we were able to do it, and uh, so this is a little bit of Menon. Mm. 
I'm not sure if this is the song you heard it. Regular. So here's what I do remember. The one I saw him, he was just freestyling and joking around in the microphone. Mm. And then I think he said at the end, Menon, or somebody wrote, it's Menon. And I was like, oh man, this guy's really good. Yeah, he's. So he, it would have been about three, four weeks ago. Yeah, he was just oh, yeah, rapping yeah, into yeah, a yeah, mic, so and he was just really good. I never, I never heard of him, but I was like, "Yo, this kid is really, yeah. really rap." Uh, again, man. Uh, I mean, speaking about hip hop for you, Raj, what what is it about hip hop that 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 got to you? As you know, obviously, you you're you're entrepreneur, you're into tech, you're into creating content, all that stuff. But hip hop for you, what was it like? What black why? Amer- Black America was the closest thing that I could relate to to somebody who looked like me. Okay, because I grew up in an all white neighborhood where hip-hop was not normal it was like you were still like acid acid house happy house happy hardcore house uh, like the hacienda and places like that in manchester mm. um and then it was like indie rock so the music like this, that was in your surrounding you yes, did not relate to yes no i could relate to it. i loved it like mm. stone roses yeah even like pop belinda carlisle tiffany yeah. erasia all that stuff but there was something about the fact that i remember ice tea power and Ice Cube America's Most Wanted, which were like my 80s, 90s transition hip-hop things. I got pulled in through Hammer and Vanilla Ice and all that. But then once I heard all this other stuff, they were talking about being beaten up at, at school and being chased by a lot of people because their ethnicity and being black. And I was like, that's my reality. Yeah. Every day when I go to school, people call me a Paki. And I even got called the N-word and I was like, that's normal. Because we were all, in the 80s, we were all one. It didn't matter. So for me to go to school and be yes. called the N-word, I was like, okay, fair. The only other people I get here being called the N-word negatively are actual black people. So they must be like me. So now let me go and listen to their records. That, that, oh, made, that made an impact for you? Massive, listening? because it was, it was just being a minority who gets beaten up. Yeah. So the only other people that were telling that story were everyone from, you know, Ice Cube, Ice-T. Now they were talking about being run down by other gangs or yeah. being run down by the police yeah. or being run down by rivals but or being disrespected by the majority population like white white racist america yeah. Yeah. yeah so i was growing up in a there was plenty of white racism where i was growing up in salford so i was like okay cool i can relate to that so then if these guys are going through what i'm going through I'm very happy to just listen to their records. Isn't it amazing when, when music, especially maybe in this case hip-hop, makes yeah. that impact? That, 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 it's powerful. It's massive. If you think about and, it. But then you see, then I gateway drugged from that to the cockiness. Because don't forget, I'm listening to hip-hop, I'm listening to Power, I'm listening to America's Most Wanted, mm. I'm listening to The Chronic, I'm listening to uh, Scarface, and then mm. the Jiggy era, which is where I'm going through my hormonal change, yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, is when like post Illmatic is when Jay comes out, is when Big comes out, and they start talking about nice stuff. Like everyone's been talking about chains and I get that, but they start talking about like YSL and Gucci and all that. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, cool. So you can go from being downtrodden to even, to actually being flyer than the people that that hate on you. So now I'm like, okay, so there's a level we can go even here as well. Uh, wow. That's the reason why 17 years old, I'm cycling, to, by the time I got my money up, like hustling, I'm cycling to school on a like 1500, 2000 dirham mountain bike with a now what would be a 15,000 dirham chain around my neck. <laughs> wow. Because that because I modeled yeah. myself on them. Okay, I, I, had, I had three models that I could model myself on. The, the people that didn't like me, mm. my parents who were very old school in that sense, like traditional, they didn't have the visibility, and then the rap game. By the way, bless bless your family, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. I want to say that, seriously, uh, because I think uh, coming from where you come from, there's a stereotype about what you want to become, mm. right? And I think they gave you that platform to become whoever you really want to become. My right? mom killed it. My mom was like, I remember I'd come home with rubbish results and she'd be like, did you do your best? And I'd be like, yes. And sometimes I'd be lying, <laughs> but I'd be like, yes. And she'd go, okay, that's good enough. She wasn't like over supportive. She wasn't like, I hear you, you but- know, that kind of thing. My dad, the same, but they were like, I mean, my dad was way too busy in the shop, but my mum was like, did you do your best? And I was like, yes. And she was like, okay. So I was like, all right, cool. So you don't I feel always, pressure always, in a way? None, bro. None. If I, you know, I'm always clowning around the house, listening to music, recording stuff on VHS, recording stuff on tape, making pause tapes. And, um, and then when it came to do, doing like GCSE, which is what you do when you're 15, 16, doing yeah. drama, 
or doing A-levels in theatre, they were like, yeah, cool. They'd, when I said, these are the modules I want to study, they were like, fine. Will it lead to becoming a pharmacist or a doctor or dentist or a lawyer? Absolutely not, but they just didn't care. What, what do you tell the people or somebody who's listening right now who have the same, this problem, who has some people, his parents telling him, you need to do that, but he doesn't want to get into that. Please. And he's, he's listening to you right now. You just need to figure out how much, how much do you know and how much do your parents know? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Like, how, okay. how much, okay. how much, how much <laughs> do you know about the world today uh, and where you need to go? Okay. And if your parents know the same amount as you or more, yeah, you need to pull them into the conversation the same way you'd pull anybody into a conversation who knows more than you. No, what if? But I if mean, you, let's just face it. What if they said, "There's no way you become you you'll be doing anything creative. You gotta become a doctor. Great. And that's the must. Good, perfect. Then you've got to decide. You're either gonna go with their school of thought, mm. or you're gonna do it by yourself. Everybody, every young person's third parent right now is the internet. Okay. So you've got everything that your dad knows. Let's assume that, God willing, you have a dad who's young enough to still give you time and attention and a mum which is the same. And they go, okay, here's what we know of the world. We're well-traveled, we're educated, and you must be a doctor. Your third parent is the internet. I guarantee that your third parent knows more or has access to more information than both your biological parents put together. So you've got to consult your third parent and be like, well, they're telling me to be a doctor. Firstly, I have no interest in being a doctor. Secondly, I know that the way that 5G technology is going for mobile phones right now, I need to get ahead of the curve, curve and invest all my time in that right now because I know how that's gonna play out. And if I become a master of 5G technology, when it comes to using holograms at concerts, that that's gonna yield better for me than any doctor. And then you got to commit. You, you know what's fascinating? For the past 20 minutes, I've been trying to get you to say something that is kind of um, not negative. Like, and you just say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You can't do that. I, I'm, I didn't get that answer yet. No. You, you, we'll never hear Raj say something. No, like, no, no. There's dude, always, dude. There was always something. I remember I was, I was sat in the back of a car. Mm. And I remember telling an uncle who wasn't like, you know, it's an Indian uncle in the sense that he's not actually biologically related to you. Yeah, he's yeah. somebody that your dad grew up with in Africa. Yeah. And, um... He was like, well, how are you going to, if you do theatre studies, how are you going to get onto like pharmacy or anything like that? Why don't you do proper A-levels? And I'm just thinking to myself in the back of the car, like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I already know how this plays out. I have no interest in anything in my medicine cupboard at home. Never mind, like, having to go and study it for two years. What do I like? Fab Five Freddy, Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, Sunday and Mon Saturday and Sunday morning, watching UMTV raps. At some point, they're gonna play a bigger role for me than any pharmacy course. And right now, do you know, you know what's really ironic about being nearly 40 years old now in the game and mm. moving around in the corporate world the way that I do around the world? How many people I'm able to break the ice with and build with on a corporate level, deal-making level, based on hip-hop hip music? Wow, I was just, this, subhanAllah, yeah. I heard you say this one time. Yeah. You were interviewing Gary. Yeah. And um, you were telling, uh, I think it was with Brianna, I'm not sure really. Uh, you were saying something that all the questions lined up exactly according to what you're, you know, you, 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 what you wrote has answers yeah, led to the next question. Vayner World 2016, mm. it was like, well, firstly, we dressed the same through some freak coincidence. <laughs> and secondly, That's... yeah, it was me, me and him did, were Ray and Ghost that day. Every single thing that I asked, he, bound, he answered and then That's, laid up the next question, which was happen. literally in the order of the cards that I had. That's crazy. And I was like, this is wild. That's a sign. You just hit a lick that time, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which brings me to this question, is hip hop and entrepreneurship? Yeah. What's the, what's the common? There's, because I really feel there's a lot of common there. Like, you, you, hip hop is the, hip hop, when it comes to music, music, okay, let me say this right. Hip hop is the startup industry of all music genres. What is a startup? A startup is when there's a new idea, mm. a new company, a new offering, product or service for an audience or customer base that doesn't exist. When hip hop came around, there was no pre-hip hop. No. It, it was based on disco, it was based on sampling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was no hip hop. No. And there was no audience for hip hop. In the same way that there was no online video prior to online video, and there was no audience for online video. No one was saying, can we hurry up with this internet so we can start watching videos? <laughs> but when it came along, the products That's found the customers, analogy. the customers found the products, and then that 
confusion moment happened and it's a one-way street in society and in human history, we are never gonna now live in a world without online video. So it's the same with hip-hop. Hip-hop is the startup world. Hip-hop is, this is West Coast rap. This is rap from the South. This is rap from the East. This is rap about consciousness. This is rap about gangbanging. Yeah. This is rap about finance and entrepreneurship. This is rap about lyrical talent. Okay, where's the audience for it? The audience step up and say, I'm interested in that. They meet at shows, they connect, they buy the CDs, and now you've got it. That's the connection between hip hop and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. it's, it's DIY culture. It's come up with an idea and then find an audience for it and then iterate. Why do people complain about hip hop not being as good as it was back in the day? Is because there's spin-off products within hip hop that are not for the originators. There are people right now that still only go on Facebook only for the pictures and not for any of the news. They're the old school hip hoppers. But there are people that go on Facebook now only for the news and don't follow anybody's pictures. The same way that people go into the hip hop industry now only to listen to boom bap and not trap music. But there are other people that love trap music. You might be under 25 years old and live your life based on what 21 Savage and Migos say and you have no interest in Curtis Blow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the connection. That's a fact. Uh, it's interesting you said you, you were able to break so much like ice using hip hop when you're speaking in the corporate world. Mm. Do you remember anything you can share with us? Like what, what kind of examples do you use? Like, there's, 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 it's, it's crazy. Maybe not necessarily hip hop, but around that. Okay. So I guess music was the biggest segue for mm. me. About three months ago, a very good friend of mine in the corporate world, okay. I sat down at a table with him and he was sat with a multi-billionaire here in Dubai. Okay. So my friend takes me over to him. He's like, yo, this is Raj Katecha. This billionaire is in his 80s. My friend takes me over to him. He's like, yo, this is Raj Katecha. You must talk to him. This guy goes, Wallah, I don't want to speak to him. He's an Arab dude. I don't want to speak to him. I don't speak to anybody. I'm like, why are you sitting me next to the guy? It's like, man, this is really awkward. I'm telling my friend, I'm like, clearly this old man doesn't want to talk to me. Mm. He says to me, I don't want to be disturbed. Leave me alone. Well, I was like, all right, fine. I was like, listen, this is really awkward, right? And he, he wants us to talk about social media and technology and branding and where the market's going. Reality is you're over 80 years old, right? He goes, yeah. I said, you must have been to some wicked parties in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> then we start talking about disco. Then we start no talking about funk. What? Then we start talking about reggae, mm. right? That's where the connection happened. And at the end of it, he gave me his card. What? And he was just like, it was a real pleasure talking to you. I'm like, it was a pleasure talking to you. Like, that's where the icebreaker comes in. That's where, because music is a universal language and it really is good for building bridges between people that otherwise would have nothing. Not only would they not have something in common, yeah. but actually it might be two human beings whose actual chemistry at that time involves one of them not wanting to talk to the other completely. And it still broke through. And this guy, Prior to even wanting to talk to me, he literally gave me a two and a half thousand dirham glass of wine, one glass, mm. two and a half thousand dirhams, <laughs> just to make me go away. He was like, have some wine, just relax, don't talk. <laughs> wow. Imagine that. Man. Yeah, yo, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. I think, it's like a movie moment. It's, it's, it's <laughs> it, it is, and it, and, and, Crazily so, like when you're saying like, when what was your friend's reaction? No, he, I mean he was proud of it. He thought he did it. Oh. Like, he, he was like, he was like, I told you you guys would get along. I was like, fuck you. I had to try every single relationship building yeah. angle, yeah. just so this guy wouldn't like punch me and break his own wrist. Mm. Like it was like, it, but it's man. one of those things. Like, okay, it's just true, right? Ah oh, man, music plays such Yo. a big role in most people's lives. Okay, so we're gonna go left here. Okay, mm. I'm not sure if this is gonna stay in or not. But since you talk about bridging cultures, yeah. I am releasing a mixtape called Al Jisr, which means in Arabic, uh, uh, the bridge. Yeah. It's oh, my nice. thir third volume right now. I've done already two. Third, so I wanna, are I wanna drop. On it, I wanna drop. You... I wanna drop from you. You wanna drop from me? But I wanna make sure I say Jizzle right because if I say Jisr. that wrong, huh? Al Jisr. How do you spell that? L A L A L J I J I S R. Al Jisr. Jisr. Yeah. This is Raj Gatech. Okay, should I do it? Right here. This is Raj Gatech, and you're listening to the Al Jizzer mix. Oh, fucked it. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. It's all good. Yeah. Yo, make by Big Hass and DJ Lethal Skills. Lethal Skills, okay. That's it. Yo, this is Raj Gatech, and you're listening to the Al Jizzer re remix? Motherfuck. Mixed it. Mixtape. Yeah. Did I say it right though? I'm tripping yeah. off the Al Jizzer. No, no, no. Al Jizzer is right. Yeah. Al Jizzer. Al Jizzer. 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 Okay. That's it.
This is Raj Katecha and you're listening to the Al Jizr mixtape mixed by DJ Big Hass and DJ Lethal Connection. What's his name? <laughs> I love you. What's, I love we this were guy. It again. What's his name? Lethal. <laughs> That's what? a good name. Yeah. <laughs> Lethal connection, good name. Yeah. Lethal skills. Lethal skills. Oh, okay. that's funny. It's so you're hilarious. Okay, so um, well, hold, yeah. on, hold on. Ma- ma- <laughs> this is funny. Mixed by DJ Lethal Skills. Yeah. And brought to you by Big Haas. Okay. I keep pushing. Yo, this is Raj. Yo, this is Raj Katecha, and you're listening to the Al Jizzer mixtape, mixed by DJ Lethal Skills, and brought to you by the homie Big Haas. Enjoy this. You're just gonna rip the audio out, right? Yeah. Okay. Fine. 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 <laughs> Yeah, maybe we we'll do that. I might keep the video. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, big up to you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um, worries. Peace, guys. Big Hasia. Thank you so much for watching side A of the Raj Katecha Buckle Up interview. We realize it's a really long one. A lot of amazing stuff over there. So we made part two that you can watch right here, somewhere right here in that box or in the description below. Let's go. Buckle up.